Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santi and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Today, we are joined by Gina Moon. Gina is a pleasure and embodiment guide, the owner and priestess of Moon Temple and founder of Moon and Jay. Her self-discovery path spans several decades. She has held space for hundreds of humans in various transformational containers. Always immersed in shamanic, transformational, and mystical disciplines, she loves sharing her playful and ritualistic approach to life. She has learned that living in devotion, honoring cycles, praying at the Altar of Nature and Synchronicity produces tangible and glorious results. She has been dedicated to pleasure and embodiment as potent medicine to lead to a deeper connection with soul. Gina, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate having you here. Yay. Thank you for having me. So I think to start off, let's just hear a little bit more about your background. How did you get into spirituality and the kind of work that you're doing? If you kind of just talk us through that, that would be great. Sure. Um, I moved to Miami about 20 years ago and I found a yoga studio around the corner. And um, that's, that's how I got into spirituality because um, I came there one morning with my little cafe con leche from, from the local store and my yoga teacher, his name was Fred Bush, is Fred Bush. He said, you can't drink that like cow's milk. And he got me all into um, all kinds of really interesting things. But um, the more I practiced, the more I read, the more I explored, um, the more curious I got and the deeper the rabbit hole went. As I'm sure you guys know that once you like, you're into one thing and then it's another thing and then second and third and fourth. So I never stopped seeking and I really went deep into just every discipline possible. So I literally have like probably 30 different certificates of uh, graduation from different workshops and programs and retreats and, you know, everything from feng shui to tarot and theta healing and shamanic arts and tantric arts and yoga and everything in between. So I'm a bit of a transformation junkie. Yeah. Where did you come from? Where did you come from? Where did you, where were you before you came to Miami? New York. I moved here from New York. I'm from Ukraine originally. And I moved to Miami from New York. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it seems like now you are an embodiment guide, but before that you've been through a lot of different trials and tribulations and learning a bunch of different disciplines, which is awesome. So can you explain to us what an embodiment guide is and what you do right now? Yeah. Um, so I work with women and we work with um, bringing pleasure and bringing our experiences through the lens of the body, through the lens of the senses, and kind of looking at all of life through the lens of pleasure and through the lens of sensuality, sexuality, um, Shakti, feminine energy. And we, I guide them through all of these different um, practices and exercises that are embodiment practices. 
So what do you mean by um, pleasure in this sense? I, I, I'm assuming it's not the traditional attachment to materialism, but it's, it's more, it's a more spiritual utilizing of the sexual energy itself. Mm. I, I'm, I don't know if I follow materialism and connection to pleasure and sexuality. I don't, I'm not sure if I thought, if I can connect that link, can you expand on that? So when I think of pleasure, I think of hedonism, for example, mm, okay. which, which I think, uh, you know, Pleasure, Obviously, pleasure it seems sake. like, yeah, yeah. It seems like with what you are doing and, and helping women out with is not in connecting to hedonism, but something mm. much greater and fulfilling than that. Right, right, right. Yeah, so hedonism, from what I understand, it's pleasure for pleasure's sake, which I think is a beautiful practice. It feels a little bit like detached from purpose to me, maybe. Yeah. And so... Uh, in all different kinds of ancient traditions and cultures, pleasure has been used as a force for transformation. Um, ecstasy has been used as a form, force for transformation, for expansion, for learning, for magnetizing things to ourselves, etc. Right, and it also for women, um, a lot of things around pleasure is reclaiming their lives. Right, so if we are talking about pleasure from a sexual context, a lot of our pleasure in Western society revolves around men's pleasure, right? The sexual act is really, it really revolves around the pleasure of a man. So for a woman to start thinking about her pleasure and exploring her pleasure independently of that, reclaiming that, knowing what it is that she desires, and looking at life through the lens of pleasure, not just through the lens of sexuality, but like, what do I love? What feeds me? What expands me? Um, what, how do I prioritize myself? How do I nourish myself? How do I receive from life, right? So a lot of people, women in particular, are very, very good at giving, very good at sharing, not so much for receiving, right? So we explore all of these different things from and a lot of women haven't even thought in those terms before yeah so it is not from the lens of hedonism it is more from the lens of like how do i connect my pleasure my sensuality my fire to my purpose and how do i feed my purpose and my journey uh, with that energy right because that energy is very powerful right it's like your um Magnetic field expands, right? When you are in pleasure, whether it's sexual pleasure or any other kind of pleasure, when you're eating an amazing piece of chocolate, when you're swimming in the ocean, whatever it is, right? When you're in nature, you're in an expanded state. And when you're in that expanded state and that inspired state, in that uplifted state, so much more is possible. This is very interesting. Yeah, it's a very different uh, approach to how Mike and I kind of think of things. And obviously we're men, so it's I believe it's a little bit different for men and women in terms of kind of what uh, drives us to be more aligned with our purpose. Uh, there's definitely overlap and similarities, but I'm curious to learn more about this. Do you think that there are certain forms of pleasure that are actually not going to be helpful for people, uh, for women, let's say, in helping them to be more aligned with their purpose and to have more of a, an impact and to become conscious? Or are you advocating for any and all forms of pleasure, like anything that makes you feel good, 
is going to help you to expand and therefore have more of an impact. Do you think that it, you can take it too far with pleasure sometimes or they're just where they fall into a trap of hedonism and they just get sucked into short-term gratification? Do you ever see that as a potential pitfall? I don't see it as a potential pitfall. Um, I really love this. I love this conversation because it's so amazing. Like I have these conversations with my partner where, have you guys seen this video? It's called, it's not about the nail. Have you ever seen it? Okay. After we're done with the podcast, you must watch this video. It really like basically gives you a big uh, insight into how women think and how men think, right? So it's a very masculine, beautifully masculine, masculine embodied question is like, can you take it too far? Are there dangers in this pleasure situation, right? Like, um, I am unaware of any, of course, there is, you know, addiction, there is ways that you can show up for life that are unaligned. But what we do with my clients and the women that I work with is the opposite of that, right? We actually work with, I am pausing because I have that possibility. I love that. I'm thinking of how to phrase it because, yeah, we work with our essence, right? Not so much with like, how can we get more, right? It's just really connecting to your soul, to your essence, to your deep feminine desire. Right. So a lot of women in our society act and behave and um, go through life in a very masculine way. Right. We know this. And our desire to be feminine, our desire to be supported, our desire to be soft and surrendered, it's there. And it's like being suppressed a lot uh, for many reasons. One is that we, you know, I work with women in the finance industry, for example, that are not able to show up to work and be feminine because, you know, for lack of a better term, they say that they will have their ass handed to them by men if they show up in their flow and their feminine essence and like their softness, it's just not going to work out. So they have to be able to bridge that gap when they come home and they're with their family and with their children to be able to still show up as a female as someone who is predominantly a feminine creature in a feminine body. Yeah. So um, to go back to your question of um, how can it be, like what are the adverse effects of pleasure? The way that we work with pleasure, I am unaware of any adverse effects. I think the adverse effects could be for the patriarchy, for women to be too powerful, too liberated, reclaiming themselves, reclaiming their pleasure and like, you know, being um, in the way of like conforming to what the patriarchy desires for us to conform to. Yeah. Sure. So uh, just to kind of dive a little bit deeper into it, um, two things. So one, um, I would love to hear about what some of the tools or outlets or forms of pleasure you yourself or your clients typically engage in and what that looks like. But also before you get into that, I am curious, um, are you, are you against like, I mean, not against, but do you find value as well in like self-discipline and asceticism and sometimes denying yourself of pleasure 
in order to see like if that can also strengthen the mind like is do you find any value in self-discipline mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and so are you familiar with like the polarity paradigm polarity masculine feminine polarity yes yeah. so there is very um it's a very clearly a masculine trait discipline it's not a feminine trait and for the feminine, I think, to really relax into herself, we really need our internal masculine to be there to support us, right? Because the external masculine, whether it's our father, brother, partner, friend, you know, they can be there or they can be not there, right? So we need to have that internal support and know that our internal masculine is there to show up for us and to support us no matter what, so our feminine can relax. So um, absolutely, I believe in discipline. Absolutely, I believe in saying that, yes, I'm going to put aside um, these current desires so I can build a future for myself, etc. Absolutely. It's just a balance, right? So one of the exercises that we do with my clients is we do this yin-yang exercise. And we, it's super, super simple. They, at the end of the day, they kind of trace their day and they see if they've spent their entire day majorly, like 80, 90% in their masculine or in their feminine, right? So if let's say out of 10 days, they will come back to me and they'll say, look, you know, seven days I spent fully in my masculine and three days in my feminine. That's not the correct balance for someone who wants to really soften, who wants to embody their feminine essence, who wants to learn how to receive from life, right? Because the feminine is everything. Feminine is life itself, right? It's the earth. It's uh, the birth-giving essence of life. So to connect to that, we need a different kind of discipline. We need a discipline of really embracing that reality. Yeah. And absolutely asceticism and uh, masculine discipline, like we need that. We can't just like go around dancing on the dance floor all the time, which is a very feminine way of being. Right. So it's like actually a really good metaphor is like we dance on the dance floor, not to get from point A to point B, but just for the sake of dancing. It's very process oriented. And when Women are very goal-oriented and not very process-oriented. It does not support their feminine, right? But it's it's a balance. It's definitely a mix. And absolutely, you're not going to like, you know, run around and dance 95% of the time. There is definitely discipline that's needed. There's definitely structure that's needed. It's just the balance of it, right? Because if you're in discipline and structure 90% of the, of the time, that, that doesn't work for, for the feminine. That reminds me of a quote by uh, Alan Watts, where he said, if uh, if the goal of a symphony was to get to the end of a song, then the best uh, orchestra would be the one that got there fastest, right? The the whole point of, you know, doing the doing a lot of things in life is is to play, you know, you're, you're playing, you're, you're dancing for the sake of doing it, not to get to some destination. It's the purpose of the journey of doing that act. That is the thing. Um, so I, I really love that analogy. When it comes to uh, a woman embracing her feminine in like a day-to-day life, what does that look like? What do you suggest your your clients to 
how, how do you how do you get them to embrace their femininity just in like a day <laughs> in just a day <laughs> well you, you know what i mean like over time they they begin to cultivate a mindset of how to do this and they start doing habits each day to begin cultivating this how, do, how does yeah. that work so a lot of embodiment practices and by embodiment practices i mean movement right non-linear movement not going to the gym if, even though going to a gym is amazing but uh, very feminine, very non-linear movement. So it's dance and it's different ways that we move our hips. It's different ways that we move on the floor. We do floor work, etc. cetera. Um, there's different like guided journeys that we do where we really explore um, beauty and um, sacred spaces and things like that. Um, there's morning rituals, there's evening rituals. So we ritualize our, our lives and we create sacred spaces. We create beauty around us. We create a really deep connection with other women. So that's one of the most essential things for feminine practices is having really deep connection with other women. We need to be with other women. It's absolutely necessary, right? Um, all these lunar practices, cyclical practices, so knowing... Um, the moon cycles and knowing when it's full moon and, and new moon and working with that, working with div divination and flowers and just really like earth and nature. So there is infinite. It's just like overwhelming amount of practices that you can do. But the most important for me is that intention is the intention of saying like, I want to soften. Yeah, I don't want to be like, holding on so tight all the time. I don't want to hustle all the time. I don't want to go, go, go and do, do, do all the time. I just want to relax into my beingness. So would you say that a lot of the clients you work with tend to be more uh, women who are kind of predominantly in a phase of their life where they are in their masculine too much, like they are in a hard charging career, they're focused on making money. What is, or is it not that? Like, what does your typical client base look like? Yeah. So my clients really do range. I, I work with so many different people, but my, what I say is that I work with accomplished women who are really desiring to connect to their magnetism and connect to this reality that when they have blessings and amazing things in their lives. It's not only because they got them. It's because they sat back and opened their arms and were able to actually receive them and to shift into that reality. Like, okay, like what does it feel like for me to be gifted things? What does it feel like for me to receive things for just being myself, right? Versus hustling for things and, and you know, creating things. So I do work with a lot of women who consider themselves very, you know, driven, accomplished, successful, career-oriented women. And yes, and they often struggle with both with just, you know, softening into themselves. And then they also struggle with intimate connection because they want to have polarity in their connection. They want to have a masculine partner but it's very challenging because they show up as such a masculine in such a masculine way that it's challenging sometimes for them to have that polarity and that even attraction in a relationship right and then like letting go of control in that relationship letting go softening patience all of these feminine qualities really 
um, cultivating those qualities. So how do you think men should go about helping women embrace their femininity more in, in culture and society in general? Hmm, that's a beautiful question. Thank you for asking that. I wish more men would ask that question. Um, support. Really, I got you. You know, just very simple. And going back to it's not about the nail, which, again, you guys must watch. Um, women are not problems to be solved. Right. So it's like a very beautiful masculine quality to say, like, OK, you have a problem. Let me solve it for you. But sometimes it's just listening. It's just presence. Right. Like, so we need your presence. We need your support. We need you to see us. We need you to give us space to be. We need you to encourage us to connect with other women, to go in nature, to explore ourselves and our inner landscape and to go dancing. Do you think it's possible for men and women to have a healthy romantic relationship without polarity? Or does there need to be that polarity of masculine and feminine energy? Whether it's sometimes, and usually it's the man who's masculine and the woman who's feminine, but sometimes it's reversed. Is it possible to not have polarity or do we need polarity? It's mm. a really great question. Um, for me, what my personal opinion is, I'm sure there's a thousand different opinions in the subject, is that arrows, it really exists within polarity. Right, because if there is no magnetism, if there is like two of the same uh, force, there is not really an attraction. So you know, it could be that one partner of the the male partner could be a predominantly feminine partner, and the female partner is predominantly a masculine partner, or um, in same gender relationships, whatever that feels like. But if that if both partners feel like they have the same exact polarity, if they're in the same masculine space or if they're in the same feminine space, there is no spark. There's no magnetism, right? Can you sustain um, a healthy relationship without that kind of arrows and attraction? I don't believe so. You know, uh, the one person that's most known in our society who talks about it consistently is Esther Perel and she doesn't believe that either. Um, so I would say no. And I would say that it's actually relatively accessible to cultivate that in a relationship. So as far as activities, each um, energy, each polarity level should perform in a relationship in order to um, make it go well, in your opinion, what do you think the man and the woman both have to do in their own energies, in their own space in order to support a healthy uh, polar relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the masculine is the sun, right? And for you to really feed your masculine energy, you just need to go out there and get things done, right? So like you go to work, you have a conversation with your boss, you win something, you uh, create something, you have, um, I don't want to say an argument, but like a, a really heated conversation, all of that feeds your masculine polarity. 
right? Building things, creating things, making things, supporting women. Um, so drive, um, resilience, support, all of those are masculine qualities. And so even I see both of you guys and I see like the way that you're speaking and the way that your language is structured, it's very masculine. So it feels like you <laughs> are cultivating your masculine polarity. Like you're very like, it's like this, right? It's just like straightforward, right? The women, the feminine energy, it's just process, right? It's not to get from point A to point B, it's to be in the process. So how does a woman cultivate her feminine energy? Exactly what, what I said before by noticing, oh, I would like to cultivate my feminine energy. I'm just going to go for a walk and I'm going to meander and, you know, look at flowers and stop and smell them and like surround myself with beauty, create beauty, enjoy beauty, sing, dance, knit, you know, cook, feed people, share, um, connect. Yeah. So, and for men, it's like freedom, conquer, create, uh, yeah, create something amazing and um, get praise for it. Those are some things that come to mind. So what do you think is something that is mutual between the two polarities that they can be doing every day in order to connect to the energy that they were born with or that they feel the most connected to in their soul. You know, that this doesn't have to be man masculine because some people are born, you know, with a different orientation, but how do you, how do you uh, encourage your clients to connect to that? And what do you think is there for me? I, my answer to this would be meditation. That's one way to, you know, cultivate a lot of presence, begin to understand yourself more, be aware of your triggers. What is something that you suggest? Yeah, absolutely. Meditation was definitely what I was going to say. That's um, something that we can do is we could sit in meditation. Um, working with your internal dialogue, working with your blocks and resistances and all of your parts, right? So we do a lot of parts work as well, like how are all of our different parts showing up and um how do they get in our ways? How do we sabotage things, etc.? So just really like cultivating your understanding of self that works for both men and women, both uh, polarities, absolutely. Having honest conversations, having um, really beautiful communication, having really beautiful languaging, understanding how to show up as a partner, if we're talking about it in a partnership, how to show up in a partner in a neutral way, in a non-triggered way, to find spaces where um, we could have like really honest, beautiful, open-hearted dialogue. Yeah. And how to like be with um, the paradoxes of life, right? How to hold multiple truths simultaneously and, and understand that there's no right way or wrong way, that there's all these different nuances to life. And of course, in partnership, this is like the best laboratory for our personal development. I don't know any better lab for personal development than a relationship, than a partnership, because we get to really like look at ourselves, take radical personal responsibility, 
and look at our partner and like lovingly maybe show them or some shine some light for them on like where they might be not in alignment. So I have a couple different questions in my mind. I'm trying to figure out which way to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I'll go with this one. So do you think that, and this is a very general, broad question, so feel free to run with it however you, however you see fit, but do you think that men right now in society, and I know you work with women primarily, but I'm just curious what your take is. Do you think that men right now in society need to work on cultivating more masculine energy or do they need to get in touch more with feminine energy in order to become more emotionally intelligent? It's hmm. a really good question. I think it both. I really think both. I think that um, there's definitely a level of emotional intelligence that um, that men can stand from developing, indeed. And there's definitely masculine. I'm thinking of what that is like showing up in presence that to me is the number one thing like being present really being here when you're here that's our that's the biggest gift i believe that men can give women is that gift of presence really being with their with themselves with their heart with their essence in the moment with the person that you're with yeah. So it's a matter of, of cultivating both energies at the right balance and knowing when to tap into each one when the moment calls for it. Sure. Yeah. Yep. It's having discernment, right? Like, you know, you, you have discernment of what's needed when and having that framework of understanding, okay, like, oh, I see I need here, I need more emotional intelligence and here I need maybe just more like a raw showing up and just taking space. So from definitely, I would say that having that discernment is really important. So when your clients, when they do start to use more of these embodiment practices and they start tapping into the pleasure and the process, what are some of the big shifts that you notice and how this actually impacts their day-to-day -day lives? They're more open. They're more connected to their heart. They feel, even though I don't love the word empowered, I think it's a little bit overused, but they do feel empowered. They do feel like they know themselves better. There's something, they feel more confident. There's something really brilliant when you are reclaiming something that you have never even thought of as important. Um, so empowered, confident, they have a really deep sense of inner authority as opposed to like kind of contrived external authority, right? And they feel sensual, they feel soft. They don't feel so rigid. They don't feel so tough, right? So um, there's a, a softening that takes place. There's a radiance that takes place. There is a magnetism that they start embodying. They really have a different way that they're received in public. Like they tell me that they go to um, the grocery store and people look at them differently, men and women, right? Because they're just more dropped into their 
to their heart and to their essence and that they're more accepting of who they are. They're more knowing of who they are. They prioritize themselves and they take the space to do these practices and to be with themselves. That's a really huge thing is to say like, you know what? I matter. <laughs> I'm going to take time for myself and I'm going to prioritize myself and I'm going to set in that intention to really get to know myself deeper and deeper and to grow in my confidence and to grow in my essence. So would you say that for a man who is in a relationship and really just wants to make my partner feel like she can fully express herself at all times, would you say that the best way to go about this is like I think you said earlier, to be present and to listen and to not be attached to trying to solve the problem, but simply just being there. And is that the methodology that is actually paradoxically going to fix the problem is simply being there without any need for you to try to fix her because there's nothing wrong with her in the first place? Mm, I love that. Thank you, Mike, for saying that. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's going to fix the problem necessarily, but I feel like it's going to maybe, maybe make her feel like there isn't really that big of a problem, right? So there's that charge that's really released when we're listened to and when it's, um, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. I understand. That must be tough, you know, like really just kind of, allowing the space for the problem to become less lesser to kind of dissipate because there is space for it to exist. It's not needing to get solved. I have to remind my partner all the time because, and it's such an amazing, beautiful thing that men do. Like you guys want to solve problems and thank you for that. You know, when, and there are problems that actually need to be solved. There are light bulbs that need to be uh, replaced and there's um things that need to be fixed around the house. But when there's um, heart things that I want to share with you right away, like very often my partner goes into like, well, why don't we do I'm like, no, why don't you just listen? Just listen. Yeah. I think I kind of want to switch gears and talk a little bit about how shamanism and mysticism makes your way into your embodiment coaching. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so shamanism, a lot of the practices are really, they really revolve around nature and connecting with nature. Um, we want to kind of create that mystical space inside ourselves where all of this magic unfolds, right? So like witchy things, witchy practices where it's again, non-linear, the same way as in the physical space, there's ways that we want to dance and move and be that's very non-linear, the same way we want to do that in our internal space, right? So we create ritual that's very, I don't know what's going to come, what's going to come out of any particular ritual that I do with nature, that I do with the ocean or with the trees or with earth, right? When I create, um, like an earth mandala, for example, what un unfolds from it. So we want to plant a seed from our heart of our desire. We want to plant it in the universe and we want to see what comes back. Um, so that 
that is how we bring that into embodiment work is that like, okay, like what happens when we um, show up in these really mystical nonlinear ways? So would you call this something similar to manifestation in a way? Yeah, sure. Of course. They're all manifestation practices. Yeah. Magnetism, um, manifestation, of course. I, I wish there was like another word that wasn't so it's kind of like empowerment and manifestation. They're not my favorite words, but yes, it is manifestation. It is making, um, it is believing that what you desire is yours, is believing that what you desire already exists for you. And then finding all of these threads that bring it closer to you and, and more rapidly, right? Because it is really my belief system that everything that we desire is ours. It's just, um, whether or not we have it today or tomorrow or 10 years from now, it's our own stories around like how long it takes to do certain things or to receive their certain things or achieve certain things. And all of these different like ways that we don't truly believe that it is ours. So bridging that gap and making that gap smaller and um, opening up like, first of all, brings us back to receiving first of all you have to be able to receive it if you're manifesting something and it's like right in front of you you're like oh but i don't deserve it i don't know how to handle it my system can't even really process it you're not really going to receive it right so manifestation starts with your ability to receive your manifestation yeah this reminds me of a book i read uh uh, last year is called Ask and It Is Given by Esther Hicks, Hicks. What really resonated with me is the idea that you there, you can desire anything, but if you have this attachment to it, that if this doesn't happen, that I'm not going to be complete in myself, then that is actually what ends up pushing that thing away for you. So is that something that also resonates with you? Very much so. I literally was just having that conversation the other day. So there's this... Um, way that what we are not attached to, right? When we don't have a lot of charge with something, it's very easy to create it. So if you do this playful practice where you think of a, a very random thing, let's say, uh, I don't know, it's let's say it's a peach and you say, okay, I have this peach and you wake up every morning and you go through your day and you, you know, or I, I can't think of anything else right now, but let's say it's a peach. Right? For you to actually bring that into your um, physical reality is relatively simple because you don't really have attachment to it. You don't really have charge around it. If you don't have it, if you don't get it, it's fine. Right? But if someone is, let's say, like looking for a partnership, right? And then they're like, okay, I really want a boyfriend and I'm going to find a boyfriend, right? But what if I find him and he doesn't like me? Or what if you know, laundry list of things of why it is that you aren't able to actually receive it, right? So you could be standing next to the love of your life um, at Starbucks and having a conversation. And then you could be like, oh, well, I wasn't wearing any makeup today. So he must have not liked me and walk away from something like that. So the possibility has to be really, really clear. Your ability to receive something has to be really clear. And yes, attachment is the thing that actually repels the thing that we want. So how do we let go of the 
clinging and the attachment is something we obviously we want it, but you're supposed to also kind of not really want it or need it. It's a, it's a very tricky thing for the ego to navigate. So do you have any tips for being able to manifest something that you want without being too attached to wanting it? Yeah. So I think start small. Um, I think if any, if, if I was like literally able to answer your question, I would be God, <laughs> but I really love starting some, with, with something small. I really love starting with something that is very um, easy for you to achieve and to create. Like, what do you want right now? That's really minor. Um, a, a warm bed to sleep in tonight. I don't know. I already have that though. <laughs> okay that's the other yeah. thing isn't part of manifestation also believing that you already have it like you mm -hmm. believe it so much like it's already a part, a part of your reality so you're going to manifest it but you don't actually have it but you're supposed to believe that you already have it it's very you're very i believe like, that it's yours right yeah you're supposed to be as it's yours right you're you're um embodying the person who already has it so a really beautiful practice for me is to start with something small and to see your power, right? So I, I encourage both of you tomorrow to think of something that you have very little charge around, that you have almost no charge around, and how you can bring that into your reality. Well, warm bed is, like you said, you already have that, so does it really work, right? And also like $6 million is also not something that I would recommend starting with. So something in between a pen and $6 million, right? You know, you can manifest a pen, but maybe you need, you want to manifest a green pen, right? So just really experiment. It's like super, super fun practice to experiment with something that you have no charge around and how quickly you can bring it into your field and into your life. And if you focus on that, what happens? So once you see that, then you're like, oh, okay, like I can do that. What's the next thing that I can do? What's the next thing that I can do? This actually happened to me. I, I directly experimented with this. Uh, it was a, it was a partner for a, because I'm, I'm going to music school right now. It was a partner for a song that we had to work on. And for like three weeks, every single day during meditation, I focused on it, but I didn't really care. You know, I just wanted to see what would happen and it actually did happen. So that was my, my first direct results with, with, yeah, I agree. I don't like calling it manifestation either. Um, energetic alignment with, with something you want, but don't need maybe is better. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I totally agree with you that, that it works. And yes, I think starting small, just like focus on what we can do. I mean, maybe this is the, the masculine imperative, but like focusing on the small steps and slowly working your way up to the goal. Uh, but like, for example, I don't think, you know, here's the thing. I want world peace to happen, but I'm very comfortable in my environment right now. So I don't really need it to happen, even though everyone wants world peace. Right. But like, I don't really need it to happen because everything's fine everything's fine the way it is. But I don't think I could manifest that with just three weeks of visualizing and, and focusing on that event, you know, because of the the scale of that event happening. Yeah. So you had a direct uh, experience of altering reality to your desire, right? You're, you had that direct experience. What was the partner? Tell me about that. 
it was just someone who I didn't get to work with and he was my really good friend and I wanted to work with him. So I focused on the actual event happening and how I felt and what my senses were experiencing in that moment. And I did it for every day for three weeks and then it happened. Amazing. Yeah. Another way to bring that into reality is synchronicity, right? Noticing synchronicity, um, noticing signs, asking for signs and really being um, open to receiving them. I think that's always good. Spending time in nature, spending time in meditation, spending time in inner exploration. All of these things work, you know, and we know they work, but not everyone wants to do it. And not, not, not even wants to do it. Not everyone wants to prioritize it, right? And so the beautiful thing for me with working with, let's say, a guide or working in a program, doing something with other men or other women is that we have like we are in that flow like we are tapped into a, a program like if you're in a music school like you're in music school you're doing that right but let's say it was just you and you wanted to learn music or play music like some days you do it some days you won't do it some days you feel like it some days you don't feel like it so having that container and Reminding, I don't also don't love the accountability piece because I think when you need accountability, it means that you don't want something bad enough, but you could want something bad enough, but you still need the support. So I work with coaches for myself all the time. I work with people that I'm learning from and I'm in a container with consistently because it helps me to expand. It helps me to get there faster. It helps me to really feel supported in what I am creating. And I think that that's really important. And so we all know the things that work. We know meditation is good for us. We know working out is good for us. We know drinking water and, you know, eating healthy is good for us. But why do we not prioritize that? Many reasons, right? But if there is an intention, if there is something that you're like, you know what, I'm sick and tired of living this way and I really want to shift, it is more likely in my experience, in my opinion, and from my personal experience, that someone is going to achieve it within a container of, of some sort, with a guide, with a group of people that we work together with. So it sounds like from all these different um, practices that you've learned about, you've sort of created your own system. Is there a certain lineage that you follow or did you, do you kind of just come up with your own system of doing things? What does that look like? Yeah, several, many lineages, definitely shamanic uh, lineage, uh, Taoist, Tantric, um, Theta, all kinds of things that are mixed together. I'm also a Feng Shui practitioner and uh, tarot practitioner. So there's, you know, I work with archetypes, I work with uh, divination, I work with Feng Shui and like arranging our space to reflect what we really desire with tantric arts, with shamanic arts, um, dream work, so many different things, like literally 20 plus years of just really diving deep into all these different disciplines and connecting them together. So out of all of these different disciplines, which one or two resonate with you the most, or did you find to move the needle in your spiritual growth the most? Mm, that's a great question. 
Um, definitely shamanic arts, tantric arts are powerful. They move the needle pretty quickly. But everything, you know, really, that's also the feminine way, I think, is that you touch upon so many different things and you play with so many different things. And this work is like, that's the beautiful thing about this work is that it's playful. Right. Do you guys know who Brendan Burchard is? Burchard? Yeah. yeah. So his work is very not playful. <laughs> it's very <laughs> like, like straightforward discipline. I be, and we need all these things. Right. But with this work, it's like, okay, there is no specific formula. There is a formula, but it's it's flexible and it's guided by um, it's guided by you. It's guided by your cycles. It's guided by external cycles, internal cycles. It's guided by different things that are not just going to be like, okay, on Monday we're going to do this, and on Tuesday we're going to do this. Like on Monday we're going to do this, and Tuesday we're going to see what's needed, what is in the highest service of the moment. Yeah. And for, for the masculine soul, like on Monday, you're going to do this. And then Tuesday, no matter what, you have to do the other thing that you're supposed to do on Tuesday. Right. So it's like very different approach. And our work is very playful in that way is that like, okay, what's in the highest service of the moment? It's not what we planned on doing. It's something entirely different. Right. And I do that in my containers all the time where I have a lesson plan prepared and someone comes in with something really big and we go in a completely different direction and it's deeply transformational. It's amazing and magical and super meaningful. Right. So there is structure and it's a beautiful thing to have and it's a beautiful thing to be able to not follow it. So we're, we're starting to run out of time, but I, I have so many other questions that I want to ask you, but I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the, the top two for this moment right now. The first one being that what is your suggestion for how a man and a woman should engage in, in sex or sexual intercourse in a relationship? Like what, what is your, what is your opinion of how that should go in order for it to be healthy pleasure and not uh, go too far into hedonism? Mm, that's a really big question. So I think that if we're going to have sacred sexuality, right? Sacred, intentional, conscious connection and sexuality, the big thing around it is the intention, right? So the intention is to create a sacred container for your intimacy. How it's supposed to go, I think it really just depends on two people and what they desire and like how what their agreements are. But the, um, the basis of it has to be that what is our intention for this encounter? What is our intention for this act, for this um, space that we're sharing? Yeah. And of course, what, what are the agreements around it? Again, consent, you know, clearly consent, but what are our bigger than consent agreements? What, what do our souls desire to share here? So I think that a lot of the times it's like we're, you know, driven by passion. And I think that's where the hedonism piece comes from, right? So it's like, uh, 
they're driven by passion, you're like, oh my God, in the moment, in the heat of the moment, and you just go into this uh, flow, yeah? Um, and perhaps it's a really good time to stop and maybe, you know, you put your hand on, on his heart and he puts his hand on your heart and you say, hey, what is our intention here? Like, this is sacred, you know? Just create reverence, create intention, create meaning, which is very different than what, you know, a lot of sex and sexuality is like in our culture. It's devoid of all those things. It's devoid of meaning. It's devoid of uh, intention and sacredness and reverence. It's great advice. Um, Thank you. My, my final question is... Do you believe in God and how do you think that our reality is constructed? Mm. I believe in source. I believe in divine. Sure, God, absolutely. Um, how do I think our reality is constructed? That's a, an even bigger question. I, I, I'm wondering what the next one, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> How our reality, how do you think our reality is constructed? Just so I have a point of reference. I, I'm not sure where to even, how to enter that space. For me, the, the way that I understand it is that there are impulses that come up from the unified field that manifest into particles. So there's all, there's, there's a wave happening on a very deep level that manifests into particle through, through thought or through consciousness itself. So that, that's how I believe everything around us is even visible. It's through, it's through the advent of consciousness and without consciousness that it would not exist. I like that. I'll go with that. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> what well, he said. There you go. Yeah. Um, Do you have a very specific opinion of how the universe is constructed, Santi? My belief is that it's it's a mystery, and that's that's knowledge that's beyond human comprehension, and that's beyond our ability. I like to that too. To I'm, I'm into that too. And that's the magic. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, well, this has been a great conversation. There's so many other questions we could ask you. I feel like like there's just we could go so much deeper, but we do have to start wrapping things up. And this has been very, uh, very insightful for myself. And it's always great to have different perspectives. And, and we've been having more women on the podcast lately, which has been really beneficial. I think. Um, before we ask you our final question, Gina, if people want to learn more about you or follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? It's uh, ginamoon.co because ginamoon.com was taken. So um, there you go. And all of my stuff is on there. And um, I also really loved having a conversation with two men, with two conscious men, two present men. That's um, It's really been so wonderful and such an honor. And I think we really need to be having more conversations between men and women, because I do notice that a lot, that a lot of men's podcasts are about, you know, men's stuff and, you know, tech and finance and marketing, whatever, <laughs> whatever those things are. And women's podcasts are about um, women's things like cooking and sensuality. <laughs> I'm just making that up as I go, but um, I really love having this dialogue because I think it really shifts how we all kind of perceive um, the conversation that we should be having between men and women, because we really need to be um, 
bridging the gap between us, bridging the gap between genders and getting more on the same page and understanding each other. Because at the end of the day, we all want to really, you know, we all want to be in partnership or, you know, I, I know it's a big statement, but most of us want to be in, in partnership and most of us want to understand the other gender, but there's so much disconnect and divide. So it's really amazing that you guys are exploring these topics with women. I agree. Well said. And before we ask you our final question, I did want to take a moment to recognize and acknowledge you, Gina, for the work that you're doing with women to help them embody more feminine energy and experience pleasure as a way for their spiritual growth to unfold uh, more, more in a more healthy way. And for the journey that you've been on um, in doing that for yourself and also trying to share that with others. So I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge you for that today as well. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Santi. And our final question for you, if you had one piece of advice to give people who are seeking to heal and grow on their spiritual journey, what would it be? It's mm, a good one. Um, I think the thing that builds our resilience is the true ability of being with several multiple truth at the same time so that things are not this way or that way that it could be both ways that are uh, seemingly conflicting ways um, I think that really expands our consciousness is just sitting with two completely conflicting truths and accepting both of them as true Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.